Well, good morning once again to everybody. It is so good to have you join us in whatever capacity you're able to join us, whether online or here in the parking lot with us today. And what an incredibly beautiful day that the Lord has made for us to be able to enjoy this. I will say it's kind of ironic that last week I was wearing long johns up here and a flannel shirt just to keep from being too cold. And this week I may be dripping with sweat by the time we are done because it is such a drastic difference here. But praise the Lord that we are able to do this regardless of the temperature. I'm so glad that things are beginning to also open up here in our community. I know that in some places it has not opened up as much, uh, but earlier this week I almost felt guilty sitting down in a restaurant to be able to eat. It was the first time, I think in about two months, that that had been available to us and nobody fussed at us. We were actually doing what we were supposed to do. It is so good to see things starting to open up. I am really looking forward to tomorrow, though, above all of the other days and all of the other openings that have taken place. Because tomorrow, barber shops and hair salons open. And I don't feel like I'm, yeah, I hear someone honking their horn. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I think it's been about 20 years since my hair has been this long. I feel like a shaggy dog. And it is time for a haircut. I did want to take a moment and call your attention to some unexpected advertising that we received this past week. Before I get into the sermon, I was contacted by one of our Clemson police officers last weekend about a, a family that was in need. Apparently, a family needed a couple of car seats, and because of your generosity, we were able to help out. And immediately after church was over last week, my daughter and I went and we picked up two car seats from Walmart and delivered them to the police station. We didn't really do it because we were looking for recognition. We just did it because there was a need and we were really glad to be able to meet it. I guess it was either Monday or Tuesday, the Clemson police gave Trinity Wesleyan Church a great shout out, just saying thanks for the generosity and service of the church. So I just want to start today by saying thank you. It is your generosity that makes that possible. Alyssa and I got to be the ones to deliver it, but you are the ones that made that possible. You are amazing. The second thing that I will share is this. This is what we're supposed to be doing. It wasn't as if we were doing something extra. We are supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus meeting real needs in the community around us. We represented Christ this week very well, and I want you to know that you are the ones who made that possible. That's what we're supposed to be doing, and hopefully we'll continue to do it. Good job, church. We weren't doing it again for recognition, but just because it was the right thing to do, and it is a blessing to see the church acting like it's supposed to. Well, over the past month or so, I've shared with you regarding what happens when God unleashes his power into our lives. We've talked about the unavoidable change that we can buck against and we can fight against, but it's going to happen regardless of whether we want it or not. Certainly, we've seen incredible change over the last couple months. We've also talked about the unbelievable power that is available to us through the Holy Spirit. We should be encouraged that the same God who did unbelievable things in response to prayer 
is still able to do unbelievable things when God's people call on him in prayer today. And then over the past two weeks, we've looked at a hope that cannot be silenced and it cannot be contained. Even in the midst of hardship and suffering, even in the midst of unwanted change, we have a hope that allows us to rise above today's difficulty. As I share that, I am reminded of the words of 1 Thessalonians 4.13, which says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. The idea is not that it's wrong for us to somehow grieve when someone that we love passes away. The idea is that we don't need to grieve the way others do, for we have a hope. You see, grief is still going to be present, but we know that death is not the end for us. That passage goes on to identify the fact that as children of God, we will all be reunited again when Christ returns. So our hope today is found in the fact that death is not the end. One day Christ will return for us. We have something much greater to look forward to. I want to go ahead and read a passage of scripture with you this morning, and then I'll come back to uh, the rest of what I have to share with you. It comes from Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10, and this is what it says. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Obviously, today we are going to look at the Apostle Paul and the call that God placed on him, but I want you to know today that God has placed a call on each of you as well. Today, I want us to look at what happens when brokenness unexpectedly occurs in our lives, and whether you like it or not, it will happen. But one of the keys to properly understanding this is that we probably need to change our perspective on what church is truly about. We don't attend church services or come to Christ just so that we can become good people. Certainly God desires that we become good people, but that is a secondary goal. God is not merely about us becoming godly for the sake of being godly. Instead, God desires to make us godly for the sake of using that to bring godliness into a broken world. In other words, as God transforms your life into something beautiful, he is also equipping you to be an agent of change, making this world a better place. That is an honor and it is a privilege for us. And when we truly get that, God is unleashed in us to bring unavoidable change, unbelievable power, and unsilenced and uncontained hope to a world that is already experiencing brokenness. But one of the tools that God often uses in us 
is unexpected brokenness. Before I get too deep into the scriptures on this, I want to address something else for a moment. Some of you are already trying to figure out how to tune out what I'm saying today. You would rather me talk about God's promised blessings on your life. I don't want to hear about brokenness. Tell me about how God's going to be good to me. Tell me about all the good things that he has for me, all the blessings in my life. I want you to know God can do great things for you, and he does desire to do good things. But the fact is, sometimes the road that we must walk can be a very difficult road. The narrow way is not always an easy road. In fact, at times, it will yield brokenness, broken dreams, broken plans, broken hearts, all kinds of brokenness. But this goes back to the hope that we've talked about over the past two weeks. In the midst of the brokenness, there is something much bigger in store for us. So I don't want you to think that I misled you when I only talked about the good things God has for you. I think far too many people have become a little bit disillusioned because the preacher told them how much God wanted to bless them, yet they then experienced brokenness instead. The result was that they questioned whether God was real, if he was really as good as they had been told. They questioned whether God really loved them. They questioned whether this whole Christianity thing was real or not. I assure you that it is very real. And I assure you that God does want to bless you, although that blessing may not always look the way you would anticipate. And finally, there will also be times of brokenness in your life. I recently heard a great application regarding this from another Wesleyan pastor. Okay, so I want you to think about this for a moment, and if you can see me, you can see that I'm pointing to the left and to the right. If I put fun and easy on this side over here, and then work and difficulty and hardship over on this side over here, which side would you rather experience? I can't see you guys, so I'm going to assume that you would answer the same way that I would answer today, and I would say that most people probably want to be on the side that is fun and easy. In fact, when we ask for God's blessings, most of us are really asking God to make our lives fun and easy. We want the good stuff. We want all of the pleasures of life. We don't want the difficulty or the hardship. But what if fun and easy isn't really what God wants for us? I'm not saying that fun and easy is a bad thing. I think it's actually a great thing. We call that vacation. <laughs> but it's in the work and the difficulty that we often find meaning and value and purpose. These are the places where we make a difference in the lives of other people. And I know that it's not always just one or the other. I think there are many who are not really on this side where it's just fun and easy, but they're not really on the, the hard and the difficulty and the work side of it either. Instead, they are firmly seated basically right in the middle. They are living up the fun and the easy while also doing some of the work and difficulty. 
don't be offended by this, but we call that minimum wage. You give just enough to be able to say you're doing the work, but you're never really going to get great at it because you're too busy having fun and you're not really putting the effort in. If you ever want to be successful, if you ever want to move up, if you ever want to be in management, I'm going to tell you at some point, you have to get past the easy side and you have to be willing to shift to where you actually are putting the effort in. Now, I just asked you a minute ago, which side would you prefer? Would you rather be on the fun and easy side or the work and difficulty side? And again, most of us probably want to be on the fun and easy side, but do you ever want to truly find meaning and purpose and make a difference in the lives of other people? Because if so, you're going to have to experience the more difficult road as well. You see, you can stay on the fun and easy side as long as you want or until the money runs out. But it's in the work and hardship that we will truly make a difference. And I'm not talking about becoming workaholics either because that's just as unhealthy. By the way, this model fits very well with Scripture. Six days you shall work, and the seventh day belongs to the Lord. That means that you need to be well-grounded in the work side of things, but you also need to set aside time for rest. Just don't let that rest outweigh the work. Now, how do you manage this balance in the midst of this coronavirus? Truthfully, I was thinking about this this morning in preparation, and one of the thoughts that came to my mind is some of y'all really want to work, and you've been forced to sit at home. I was listening to the news last night, and they said that 48 of the 50 states have begun to at least move back into work. That means two of them, they're still sitting at home. They don't really have a choice in the matter. How do you manage this balance in the midst of a really crazy time? I don't know if I have a good answer on that one. I know that many of you are chomping at the bit to get back to work. You're ready, you're eager, but some places just aren't up and running again yet. I encourage you to enjoy it while you can, but when the opportunity comes to head back to work and you make a difference, you give it everything that you have. Work at it with all your heart. The point of all this isn't about work, though. It's about the fact that fun and easy are not what God has promised to his people. Sometimes we will experience brokenness. Well, the Apostle Paul really got this work ethic thing that we're talking about here. He was all in. He was continually pressing on to make sure that God's call in him was fulfilled. But the things that Paul thought were best weren't always the things that God thought was best. Let's look back at the passage in Acts 16 that I read to you a few minutes ago. Beginning in verse 6, it says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, this is an interesting idea to me. Paul had in mind to go and preach the word in the province of Asia, but the Holy Spirit kept him from doing it. Why? Why is that? 
You think God didn't care about the people of Asia? You think he cared more about the people in Macedonia than he did the people in Asia? Of course he cared about them, and he didn't care about one group more than the other. In fact, God wanted all men and women to be saved. It's not that what Paul was doing was a bad thing. He was simply going and sharing the gospel. But God had something better for him in that moment. So he ends up in an unexpected place. Now, truthfully, I'll just be honest, this passage seems a little bit dry at first glance, at least to most of us. And I think it's because we don't see civilization, civilization the way that Paul would have seen it. Consider that as Paul takes the message from the Roman kingdom, he takes the natural route to the most populous region in the world at that moment. By the way, Asia is still the most populous region of the world. But God says no. Instead, he says, I want you to go to Macedonia. There were others that were going to Asia. There were other missionaries. There were all other ministers who would end up in Asia. God says, I want you to go to Macedonia. Now, it may not mean much to you, but it's basically in the exact opposite direction for the Apostle Paul. It's in the direction of we would, what we would now call Europe. But at that time, Europe was basically a land full of barbarians, not what you would have called civilization. But Macedonia would become a gateway for the gospel into this new land. I wonder, have you ever been in a great situation? You had this great job and everything was looking great. You had great opportunities and you thought, this must be what God wants for me. And then suddenly God slammed the door closed on your plans and your opportunity. But what if God closing the door on one situation is really God's way of opening another door that can be even more fruitful than what you had imagined originally? I'm reminded of the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. The Lord leads Philip out to a desert road where he finds this man reading Old Testament scriptures. This turns into an incredible opportunity for Philip to share the gospel with this man. And before long, this Ethiopian eunuch, as they travel, he asks the question, what is there to keep me from being baptized right now, right here? And he is baptized as a new believer. I imagine that Philip probably thought to himself, Yes, this is what ministry is supposed to be like. I love my job. I love what God's called me to do. And then suddenly, according to Acts 8, 39 and 40, we read this. When they came up out of the water, remember he's being baptized. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. I'm sure Philip would have loved to have stayed in the moment with the Ethiopian eunuch. 
just enjoying the place where God had put him. But God had other plans for him. It seems only appropriate that just two chapters later, we see Peter in Caesarea. By the way, did you catch where Philip ends up? It says he preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Yet two chapters later, we see Peter in Caesarea, preaching in the house of Cornelius and many people placing their faith in Jesus Christ. You can't help but wonder how much of the groundwork had been laid by Philip's presence in Caesarea already. Know this, unexpected places can be a great thing. Now, I do find our original passage in Acts 16 really interesting because it seems that God was actively trying to redirect the Apostle Paul, yet he seemed very intent to push through. There's no way that he wants to not get into these cities, but the Lord stops it. Not because God didn't care for the people in these cities, but because God had another plan, another call for the Apostle Paul. To say the least, this was an unexpected call. It's kind of like the story of Jonah. He had been a prophet to the Jewish people. He was well-respected and eager to deliver God's message to other people. And then one day, God gives him a clear message Jonah, I want you to go and I want you to call people to repentance, to turn from their sin and to obey the Lord. I imagine that Jonah welcomed such a message and he eagerly would want to deliver it except for one problem. God's message from Jonah isn't intended for the Jewish people. Yet Jonah is a prophet who is from Israel. Instead, God has a message for an unclean Gentile nation. Well, you know the story probably. Jonah runs from this calling, but he discovers the words of the psalmist to be true. In Psalm 139, verse 7 and 8, he says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Well, eventually, Jonah does bring God's message to the people of Nineveh, but only because he felt like he had to, only because it was either life or death for him. It's only after he himself is broken by the call that God had placed on him. God had to break down some personal barriers in Jonah's life. Jonah was a racist believing that there was only one group of people that deserved God's grace. Yet when Jonah brings the message, people respond. Nineveh was a city of over 120,000 people, and we are told that they collectively repent, turning from their sin. I would imagine that the Ninevites were incredibly grateful that God took Jonah to an unexpected place with an unexpected call. And the result was unexpected grace upon an unexpected people. I want to stop for a minute before I talk about the unexpected people. 
Earlier in our prayer, I referenced the woman who had been caught in adultery. She was a woman who knew what she deserved. She knew that according to the law, she deserved to be punished. She could even be killed. That's exactly what the crowd was looking for that day. As they bring her to Jesus, they remind him of the law. And because of her adultery, she should be killed. I wonder the thoughts that went through her mind as she stood there before Jesus. I picture her head bowed in shame, not wanting to make eye contact with anybody. And one by one, after Jesus says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone, one by one, they each begin to leave. When she looks up, the only two left are Jesus and her. And he says, if they don't condemn you, neither do I. But I want you to go and I want you to sin no more. And in that moment, she experienced unexpected grace. My guess is that everyone listening today, participating with us, at some point or another, you have been the beneficiary of unexpected grace. You knew what you deserved. You knew that you had messed up. You knew that you had sinned. You knew that you had offended somebody. You knew that you made somebody angry. And instead of them holding it against you, instead of God holding it against you, you were offered grace. You know, the sad thing is that many of us like receiving unexpected grace, but very few of us are very good at giving unexpected grace. I wonder, is there someone in your life today that needs to receive unexpected grace from you? I told you I'd get back to the unexpected people. This is where I'll conclude today. Back in Acts, Paul is broken for an unexpected people. After unsuccessfully trying to push through into Asia, God calls Paul to go elsewhere. But understand that wherever Paul ended up, it was always about the people. It wasn't about geography or a specific region. It was about God's desire to reach the people in that region. A couple of years ago, the Wesleyan Church began an intentional focus of trying to get a Wesleyan Church presence into every zip code throughout the United States. It's not just so that we can say, look how great we are, how many of us there are. It is because in every zip code, there are people who need to know the truth and the love of Jesus Christ. It has always been about the people. It's always been what God desires for us, that we would become his instruments to go to a world that desperately needs his grace. My question to you today is, first of all, this. What is God trying to do through your current unexpected place? You never planned on being where you are today, experiencing the things that you're experiencing today. If we'd have talked about this in January or February, none of us would have imagined that we'd have to be meeting in a parking lot or online only. The fact is, the church for years said that the internet was something bad. 
something that we're not supposed to do because there are dangers associated with it. The Wesleyan Church was one that said drive-in movies are bad, but here we are having drive-in church. None of us would have imagined that church would have transitioned the way that it has lately. But what is it that God might be trying to do through your current unexpected place? Some of you have begun to meet your neighbors. You've been living in the same neighborhood for the last 20 years. But because everybody's off work and everybody's kind of quarantined, you've been out walking, running the neighborhood. You're meeting people that you probably should have met 20 years ago. Maybe God is opening up doors for you to connect with people who need Christ in your community. Maybe this is work-related. You're about to go back to work. People are going to be excited to just be in stores, in businesses again, back at it. What are you going to take to those places? How will you be used in the unexpected places that will happen tomorrow? Maybe God is preparing you to do a new thing, and you had to go through this difficulty, this brokenness, to get you to that point. Begin to seek the Lord and ask him, what are you preparing to accomplish in me through all of this? The second question I have for you is, what is God calling you to do today? Are there unexpected people in your life that right now need you to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ? Maybe it's something as simple as buying a couple car seats for a family and being able to provide that for them. Maybe it's actually being for, there for a family that's in crisis because someone is sick and someone's in the hospital. I talked to an individual this week who had surgery and the husband couldn't even be in the hospital with the wife. Had to sit out in the parking lot while the surgery was taking place. Had another individual this morning, we prayed for the individual. Had someone who said that their coworker, I guess this morning, late last night, had a brain bleed and had to be rushed to the emergency room. What could you be doing right now to be the hands and feet of Jesus in those situations? Think outside of the box for a moment. Maybe it's not the person that you naturally would connect with. You know how there are some people that are just like us, and we're really good at connecting with them, and we do really well at talking with them and loving on them, and, and we can relate to them. But maybe, maybe God wants to use you in someone else's life, and they're nothing like you. But in this moment, God might be calling you to be his witness to them. Know that God desires a personal relationship with every person in your life. And maybe God is expecting you to answer this call today, to reach into their lives and to show them who Jesus is. I remember years ago hearing a preacher speak on having people in our lives that are not just like us. They're not necessarily people that we would call godly in any way. He said that if the church 
only has good, clean Christian friends, then we do not have access to the mission field. He said every one of us needs what he called cruddy buddies. Those guys that are a part of our lives that we know the reason they are there is because God plans on us sharing with them the good news of Christ. Some of y'all are going to go get your hair cut tomorrow. You have an opportunity to share with the people there about Jesus Christ. Maybe they're already godly people. Maybe they're not. You'll never know unless you open up the conversation and you begin to speak and to find out where they are. I want to challenge you as you are in this season of brokenness. Our world is already broken. You don't have to tell them that they are. They know it. In the midst of this season of brokenness, I want to challenge you to see how God might be working, might desire to work in and through you. Will you allow him to do it? If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, we are grateful today for brokenness. We are grateful for the times when everything seems to go the way we plan. Everything seems to be easy. Everything seems to be working out in a good, easy, fun way. But I thank you today for the brokenness. Because in brokenness, we find value, opportunity. Lord, I pray that you would use your people to make a difference in the lives of other people this week. Let it begin today, even right now. Father, I pray that you would allow us to have conversations with people that we haven't really talked about spiritual things before. We haven't talked about Christ. We haven't gotten deep enough because we kind of like talking about all the surface stuff and it's easy and, well, Lord, I pray that today you would help us to get beyond the easy and fun side and let us truly get into the purpose. Use us to reach into the lives of those who are broken around us. I pray that you would prepare the way even now, that you would speak to hearts, that other individuals would be prepared so that as we share the good news, as we become the hands and feet of Jesus meeting needs, that opportunities would abound and it would be more than just saying, hey, look, we did a good deed, but we pointed people to Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray today that we would be your instruments during this time of brokenness. We know you have a heart for the people around us, that you love them. And I pray that you would use us to reach them. May you be honored as we serve as your vessels. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I do want to challenge you, confidently encourage you. You are called for something bigger than just this. God didn't create you randomly. He didn't put you in this place randomly. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Allow him to use you. I know he desires to.